St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and move among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from them, and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch nothing unclean. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, and make holiness perfect. Spirit. Amen. The Lord said, as you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. 
In other words, and what we more typically hear is, treat other people the way you want to be treated yourself. What about when we are kind to somebody and they are mean to us? When we offer them something nice, we say a kind word, and they don't return it at all. Do we continue to be kind to that person? If you love those who love you, our Lord says, that's not difficult. It's very easy to love people who really care about us. But to love someone who is unkind, someone who's hurtful, or maybe even just indifferent, is not easy. In fact, we may not even want to bother with trying to love a person like that. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. How often do we keep track of what we've done for someone or what we've given and in the deep recesses of our heart we're wondering and we're waiting when they're going to return the favor to us even if we may not admit that. This passage that we read this morning from the Gospel of St. Luke is extremely challenging to us in terms of putting it into practice. Our first response, I think as good conscientious Christians, is really to embrace this teaching. And yet in everyday life, implementing it can be really another thing. You see, it's difficult to love from a place of woundedness. We have within our brain a self-protective mechanism that leads us without thought to either flee or to defend ourselves when we perceive a threat. And if we've been wounded before, we become even more alert and more ready to protect ourselves, even if the threat to us is real or not. We've become conditioned. And I believe this is why we have difficulty implementing this passage. For some even, and I've heard this in writing and also in words, in person, this passage is totally unacceptable. To love your enemy is complete foolishness. It's unreasonable. So why would our Lord ask us to do these things? Why would he ask us to feel something like this that some people would consider to be unreasonable? He's doing this because this is the way he is. This is the way that he functions. It's also because in doing this, in following this actual teaching, it brings healing to us. And Father Matthew and I were speaking in the altar before the liturgy began, and this is something Father Theodore and I used to do, actually, rather. We wanted to pick each other's brain right before we went out and gave sermons. <laughs> we became very adept at ad-living <laughs> and taking each other's ideas. So we carry the tradition, and you shared something very important, and that was that in doing so, we actually receive healing. So the very thing we're concerned about or afraid of or don't want to do because we feel that we may be compromising ourselves, maybe our integrity or whatever, we're actually preventing ourselves from receiving healing. If you created a beautiful sculpture, one like the world has never seen, a sculpture that really inspired people, that moved people's hearts, and then at the hands of those very people for whom you created that sculpture, it was destroyed by them and it was smashed, what would your response be to those people? Would you be angry at them? Call them ungrateful? 
Would you have rage? Would you want to get even? Would you not talk to them for days or months? What would your response be? Now think about the scenario of our Lord. Think about our Lord who chose to enter into the very world and to be with the very people that he created. This world that was no longer the same that it was when he first created it, it had become cruel and it had become corrupt. Where there was suffering, and suffering, by the way, caused by the hands of the very people that he created, who strayed from the life that he intended them to have. And even though this was the condition of the world at the time, he willingly dove into the dark waters with mankind, who was drowning, and he suffered at the hands of his own children. Can you imagine that, as a parent, being crucified by your own children that you co-created? This is, in essence, what was happening. And yet, as much as he knew this, and as unruly as they were, and as hard-hearted and unkind, they were still worth dying for. They were still worth loving. Many, in fact, at least in their own minds, considered themselves enemies of Christ. Is what he did foolish and unreasonable? Christ coming into the world to save us even though we were unruly and unkind and harsh to one another and maybe unbelieving and without faith? Was it unreasonable that Christ came into the world and took on flesh to live with us? We would probably say no, not at all. Since it has to do with us. You see, when we stand to be the beneficiaries of kindness and goodness and love, we're all in. Sounds great. If I get to receive all of this, absolutely. It's a good thing. It makes total sense what he did, even if we may not feel deep down that we deserve it. In other words, this passage makes sense and is acceptable if we're the recipients of it. But when it comes to imitating Christ, and we are now the ones being asked to respond as Christ did to the unkind, to the ungrateful, and to the selfish of heart who we experience in life, it all of a sudden becomes a different story. It becomes an impossibility. It becomes questionable. At the moment of his greatest suffering, suffering at the hands of those whom he had given life, our Lord uttered these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Such words, and at such a time, can only be said out of love. Nobody can muster that up. It can only come from a place of love. And the wounds that our Lord felt at that moment were not just from the blows that he received, the crown of thorns that were placed on his head, the spitting, and the nails in his body. The wounds he felt penetrated his human heart because he was betrayed. He was betrayed by the people whom he loved, whom he created, who he came to give himself for. This is how deep the wounds ran in him. And to say the words, Father, forgive them, at that moment should cause all of us to pause and ponder the depth of what it means to truly love. I recently read a little saying, and I shared it with Father Matthew just moments ago. Forgiveness doesn't excuse others' behavior. Forgiveness prevents others' behavior from destroying our hearts. So when we don't forgive, guess who suffers? Guess who remains wounded? Guess who remains stuck 
in that state that they feel so sick in, it's us. Forgiveness doesn't excuse the other's behavior, but it allows us to remain healthy in heart. People, we cannot simply be identified by the name of Christian. I am a Christian, or I'm an Orthodox Christian. We are to be identified by the manner in which we live our lives around those who love us and those who hate us in this world. And to love our enemies, according to St. Silouan, is the ineffable criterion of what it means to be a Christian. Father Zacharias says, Christian asceticism is ultimately meaningless, meaningless, unless it has a positive character. It is not simply a matter of don't do this or don't do that, but do this. We struggle not we struggle to merely divest ourselves of the passions of the old man. But that's not the whole story. We shouldn't be concerned about how can I put to death the passions? We hear a lot about this. We read a lot about this. We need to equally be concerned of how do we clothe ourselves with the new Adam, with Christ Jesus himself. He says, if we never did any evil to anyone, think about that for a moment. Imagine just for like this week, from, from today until next Sunday, you didn't sin at all. You didn't sin at all. That's all you did. You just didn't sin anymore. Nothing. You would probably think, I'm doing great. This is what I've been wanting. I feel good. But you've just stopped sinning. He says, if we never did any evil to anyone, we might easily believe that we were perfect. But our criteria is not only one of good behavior on a human level. Our criterion is the word of God who said, I have given you an example. Without a doubt, to love our enemy, as Father Zechariah says, is madness of our faith. And as St. Paul says, it's the foolishness of the cross. Yet this is the way our Lord is. And this is the way that our Lord calls us to. Not only to stop sinning, but to imitate Him in these profound ways that are so confusing to the world. Foolishness to the world. He's calling us to do, to act, to be a loving presence to all people around us. May we follow this way trusting in Him to give us the ability to do what is impossible. And only through Christ can He make it possible. Amen.